So this is part three in a series about honoring God with our bodies. At the beginning of January, we looked at the spiritual discipline of physical fitness. I've heard many of you who are making small changes in your routine to incorporate a more healthy lifestyle. For the past few Wednesdays, we've had people come here at 12 o'clock and put on their walking shoes and walk around the parking lot, fellowship together. Now, this Wednesday, it was raining cats and dogs, so we didn't. But this coming, we will. Matter of fact, on Monday, there's a group of us that are going to go to J.N. Freeze track and run at 5 p.m. on Mondays. So we're trying to honor God with our bodies by being healthy. And last week, Brother Ken Sossman brought forth from the scripture, which tells us that our bodies are a temple of God in which the Holy Spirit dwells. Therefore, we should honor God with our body. Well, the thing is that this body that God created has one inherent weakness. I don't know if it's exactly a weakness, but rather a recurring need. And that is a recurring need for rest. Now, rest is very important to our bodies. So important, in fact, God designed that the average human would spend 26 years of their life sleeping. You're going to spend 26 years of your life on a pillow. Maybe we should do it well. <laughs> like, amen. That's good. Considering that this one habit would occupy the largest quantity of our time on this earth, today we're going to examine how to make this time as beneficial as possible. This brings us to what 1 Corinthians 10.31 says in your notes. It says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Here's how I want our mindset to change in 2013. That those little habits which you thought were just minuscule and thought weren't really associated with your spiritual life, that all those things are spiritual. What you do with your body 24-7 is a spiritual choice. Mark chapter 1 verse 35. What we're going to do today... We're going to look at three places in Mark to see in Jesus' life what he says about the spiritual discipline of rest. Notice that I'm associating a spiritual discipline to a physical habit. Hey, friends from Indianapolis, how are you doing? Just saw them there today. God bless you. Mark 135 says this. Now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he... He, being Jesus, went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. So it says that Jesus arose in the morning while it was still dark and went to a solitary place and prayed. Now, let's think about this. <clears throat> what happens if on one certain day you must get up earlier than you normally do? What do you do the night before? You go to bed earlier, correct? Correct. Some people are shaking your head no, and if you don't, then you're tired all day. But normally you go to bed earlier because you have a plan in mind. Well, I'm going to get up an hour earlier tomorrow. I need more rest. What happens is that you go to sleep earlier. The earliest day of the week that I wake up is Sunday morning. I wake up at 4.30. So Saturday night, I go to sleep earlier. On Sunday morning, I have a specific plan. I go over my notes for the sermon that morning. I make any final changes, review the Sunday school lesson, cook myself breakfast, and normally while I eat, I watch, a, I watch a sermon by John Piper on the iPad. See, I have a plan in the morning to get ready to come to church. 
And that makes me go to bed earlier. When you have a plan in the morning, it will structure your night. Does everyone follow me? What happens is there is a plan that goes along now with the habit of sleep. Sleep just doesn't occur when I get tired. Sleep occurs with a plan. And what we learn from Jesus in Mark 1.35 is that Jesus had an EMSR. What is an EMSR, Pastor? Here's what that means. It's an early morning success routine. Early morning success routine. Now, don't read too much into that word success. I'm not talking about Zig Ziglar wants to have you, you know, you reach all the goals for your life kind of routine. What I am talking about by success is that the effectiveness of Jesus' day was determined by his devotional time in the morning. The effectiveness of Jesus' day was determined by his devotion to God. Now think about this. Jesus intentionally got up earlier than the rest of the folks because he wanted to spend time with his Father. If Jesus, who had the full attributes of God while on this earth, if he had the full attributes of God and he needed a devotional life, how much more do you and I need a devotional life? Can somebody help me today? Jesus gave us the pattern of example that we should have a plan with our morning, we should have a plan with our sleep, we should have a plan with how we get rest. Because you know what's going to happen if you stay up. I was going to say watching Ricky Lake. Man, that was like back in middle school years. You stay up watching these crazy shows on TV, you fall asleep when you get tired, you're not going to wake up early for your devotion. That's just how it occurs. But if you go to bed when you need to go to bed, and you say, I'm going to devote my morning to God, I'm going to get up and I'm going to give him the first fruits of my day, now you're ready and primed to go. So, if I can encourage you to do something this year, it would be to wake up 15 minutes earlier than you normally do for the purpose of spending time with God before you go off to work or school. And if you did that, it would revolutionize your life. Amen? Because people that have a devotional life, we were talking about this morning in Sunday school, it's amazing how when you get into the Word on a regular basis, the Word starts getting into you. Mm, that's good. When you get into the Word, the Word gets into you. Ain't that right, Brother Philip? That is right. Our agenda today is not that we should feel good. We're not talking about sleep so you can go around feeling good. If we needed to feel good for the church members, we'd send everyone to the spa to get a one-hour massage. Somebody said, hey, man, that's a good idea. What our agenda is is to be fully used for the Lord's purposes. If you'll remember my story from week one about my struggle in college when I went to see a counselor, I wasn't exercising properly, I wasn't eating properly, I wasn't sleeping properly, and I wasn't practicing a spiritual Sabbath week by week. But to be truthful this morning, the greatest thing that helped my sleep habit was marriage. Because when it was 10 or 10.30, Tyler would say, honey, it's time for bed. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> People ask me, because Tyler is in the military, she's an officer. They said, uh, in the military, do you have to salute your wife? I said, well, haven't I always? <laughs> the military didn't change things for me. I know what's good for me. Now, most of you here today, you get up early because of your job. You wake up maybe at 4 a.m., 3 a.m. I even know people in the church who wake up at 2 a.m. because of when they must arrive at work. So I know that you are trying to get adequate rest because you're required to for your job. But see, today, maybe if I can help one college student who is struggling to balance everything in their life, 
Maybe today if I can help one high school student who has a lot on their plate and they have to be at school at 7.30 in the morning. Let me tell you something. This generation of young people needs rest more than any other generation. The American Psychological Association found there's three groups of people that don't get enough sleep. I thought it was pretty humorous. First is truck drivers, because they have to get up so early. Second is parents of small children. Anybody say amen? amen. And thirdly is teenagers. The group of people that need sleep the most, teenagers are getting the most little sleep. You see, what happens is they go to school seven to eight hours a day. Then after school, they have sports for two to three hours. Then they don't get home till eight o'clock at night. They have to get dinner, do homework. They aren't getting in bed till 12 o'clock, and they have to get up at six. When I was in high school as a freshman, I caught the bus at 6.05 in the morning. Wow. I was the first one on and the last one off. I never figured that out. <laughs> like, if I'm the first one on, drop me off first. Don't that make sense? Buddy, I caught up in my sleep time. That back row was me. I was all over it. Just propped out. Sleeping on the bus. But this generation of students needs it. I know I didn't mention the first point. If you didn't get it, sleep should be with a plan. Secondly, sleep should be with a purpose. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 6. Normally I don't have to preach about sleeping because there's about five or six that do it every Sunday. <laughs> One time a guy called in and he said, how many missionaries could stay at your church? Uh, we're having a mission project. How many missionaries could sleep at your church? I say, well, any, any given Sunday I sleep about 20 to 25. <laughs> That's just a joke if you're a visitor and you're, really? <laughs> we're in Mark chapter 6, verse 31. Matter of fact, let's go to verse 30. The apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what had been taught. And Jesus said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not have enough time to eat. I love that I have one of those red-letter Bibles, and the red is what Jesus said. Let me read that. He says, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest for a while. Here's what Jesus knew for the disciples, and he also knows the case for you. Jesus knew that life is busy. Jesus knew that life will wear you out. And he was showing the disciples who were busy in ministry, didn't even have time for eat, and sometimes we get so gung-ho about life that we forget to rest adequately. Jesus, being the master, the Lord and Savior, he could have been working miracles every day. He could have been 24-7 healing people, but he said, let's go rest a while. He knew that rest was a spiritual discipline. And the reality is, life is too busy. You know, we've got bills due every day. You've got uh, financial things you're doing with the bank. You've got things for work. You've got things for school. And then you've got things for church. All those things added together. But there are already too many things on your mind. What happens is at night, you should give yourself the chance to withdraw, reflect, and allow yourself some good rest. You owe it to yourself. What I've done in your notes this morning, I've, I've put things not to do before sleep, which we're all guilty of. The first thing, 
probably being the most common, is don't watch TV right before you close your eyes. We've done a bad habit. We put the television in the bedroom. How many of you have that? You go in bed and you just lay there until your eyes roll in the back of your head and you fall to sleep. But let me be honest with you. The news or TV won't tell you anything that's going to help you sleep better. Ain't that the truth? Any of you heard anything on TV that helps you sleep better? I don't believe so. It's all worse. Second thing not to do before you go to sleep, get on Facebook. Sitting in there in the bed with our iPad and the iPhone, seeing what everybody else is up to. Here's some good news. Facebook won't tell you anything to help you sleep better. Ain't that the truth? Facebook's just irritating. Because I see all the negative people. It makes me want to get to church faster in the morning. It won't help you sleep better, though. This is for the teenagers. Third thing not to do is video games. Here's the truth. Black ops won't tell you anything good to help you sleep better. Now, how many of you young teenage boys know that when you play video games long enough, you go to sleep, you start having dreams about the video game you're playing? Does that happen? Maybe it was just me. I need to go see some more help. So uh, what happens is it's because your mind is focused on what you were doing. And when you play video games all Saturday night until it's time to get up and go to church in the morning, what happens is you go to bed at 12 and your mind is now playing the video game and you wake up mentally tired because your mind has been playing Halo all night too. The fourth thing kind of goes without saying, and that is drink coffee before bedtime. Now, some of you are going to disagree with me. I know you're sipping coffee at 9 o'clock at night. It helps you sleep better. But some of you will be drinking your Mountain Dew at Sundrop at 8 or 9 p.m. and then wonder why you feel bad in the morning. That's why. And for me, it's Red Bull. Because I like throwing back a Red Bull before I get to the gym. Gets me pumped up, but I don't sleep well. So I'm preaching to myself today. What should we do before it's time to enter the spiritual discipline of rest? The first thing is get ready your EMSR. That's the early morning success routine that's in your notes. We saw that Jesus got up early and go spend his time with your Lord. Here's what you do. Wherever you have your devotional, if it's in your recliner in the living room, the night before, you get your Bible sit there, you get your notebook set out, you get your pen set out, because what you're telling the Lord is, I'm planning on spending time with you in the morning. You go ahead and get it ready. And that way, in your mind, you know, this is my time with God in the morning. It's ready to go. Get the curried coffee matter ready where you just get your coffee going. Get your time with God 15 minutes early. So get your EMSR ready. Secondly, a good idea to do before you sleep, read a book. We've been reading the book by John Piper, Don't Waste Your Life. Just an example. Maybe some of you like to read. It calms the mind. It helps the mind in a rest. Thirdly, probably the best idea would be read the Bible. Read the Bible. The last thing before you go to sleep, let the Word of God speak to your heart and to your mind. I know I didn't put prayer in here, but those things go hand in hand. Read the Bible as God talking to us. Prayer is us talking to God. And then lastly is journal. It's a great idea to keep a journal and get things off your mind. If you've got seven things to do tomorrow, go ahead and write seven things in your notepad or journal, and that way they're not on your mind all night. You know exactly what you have to do. What these things do is they help get our anxieties off our chest so that we can rest. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I was really struggling with this topic in particular this week. I said, man, people's going to walk away and say, what in the world preacher's going to talk about sleep for? But here's what convicted me, or, or rather what encouraged me. As I was studying the Sunday school lesson this week's on Psalms, 
I look into our first devotional for Monday from Psalm uh, chapter 3, and the devotional was entitled, Sleep. In the scripture it quoted was Psalm uh, 3, verses 3, which says, I laid me down and slept and awake, for the Lord sustains me. And the psalmist was saying, you know the reason I can get up day after day and go to sleep and get up for life is because the Lord sustains me. That's how you can have a good night's rest. Because you know God's going to be there in the morning just as he is when you lay your head down on the pillow at night. So sleep should be with a purpose. Thirdly and lastly, sleep should be with a protector. Sleep should be with a protector. And no, I'm not referring to the shotgun beside the bed. What I am talking about is Mark chapter 4. Turn there if you would. The same story I mentioned to the children this morning during the children's message. If you know the background, Jesus told them, let's get into the boat, cross onto the other side. And where we're going to pick up is in verse 37. We're going to read the same story, but let's read it together because something happens when your own eyes see the scripture right before you. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? See, here's what they knew. Or they should have known. If Jesus is in the boat, everything's going to be okay. Jesus was there in the boat, and what happens is they were worrying because they thought they were going to die. So they woke Jesus up. The first thing sleep should be, sleep should be without fear. Sleep should be without fear. The American Psychological Association found that sleep, number one cause of, that stress is the number one cause of sleeping difficulties. We have a stressed out culture. We have stressed out teenagers. We have stressed out parents. And what happens is we lay down at night and we can't sleep well because of all the stress going on in our life. Basically, what God kind of revealed to me is that stress is the outward sign of an inward fear. What happens when we stress about something is we have fear about something. Isn't that the truth? We have fear that something's going to go wrong in our job. We have fear that something's going to go wrong in school. And those fears cause stress. But we shouldn't have to have stress. You see what happened to the disciples? The boat started rocking. The waves started crashing. And they began stressing out. Ah! What are we going to do? We've got to find Jesus! Does it look like Jesus had a stress problem? Not at all. Jesus could sleep on the crazy boat. Jesus could sleep in any scenario. Not only did he know that God the Father was in control, but that he had authority and he could rest. Now, wouldn't you think that Jesus could have used his time on the boat for teaching his disciples while on the sea? Wouldn't you think that he could have been giving them a theological discourse about the boat of life? He could have been investing in relationship time while on the boat, but instead he was asleep. And when Jesus woke, his first question was, why do you have fear? 
Why do you have fear? What are you afraid of? And here was the root of the disciples' fear. They temporarily forgot that Jesus was in control. They forgot Jesus was in the boat. Did you know that in the Bible, God says 365 times, do not fear. He's giving you do not fear for every day of the year. And we're still good on leap years because it only has 364. 365 times God says, do not fear. No matter what you're going through, do not fear. Isaiah 41.10 says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. If you ever had a problem, you need to biblically dial 911. I want to read for you Psalm 91.1 says this. It says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That's what we need to know. That, you know what? When David faced that big giant and he was under a big shadow, that giant was underneath a bigger shadow because God the Father was right there the whole time. David could have a spirit of rest. And 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. No matter what tomorrow's going to hold, we can go to sleep with 2 Timothy 1.7, which says we should not have a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. That makes a good pillow. Sleep should be without fear. Secondly, sleep should be with faith. Jesus gave them the answer of why their fear was present, and it was because they lacked faith. Whenever faith is absent, fear will occupy its place. That's a good word. Whenever faith is absent, fear will occupy its place. Stress and fear occur when we put our faith in something other than God. What happened is the disciples took their faith off of Jesus and put their faith in the weather. They put their faith in the waves and the wind that it had more power than Christ did. They put their faith in something other than God. But why was Jesus able to sleep? Because he knew he was in control. And let me give you some good news about life this morning, folks. If you are worried about your current scenario or your current condition in life, here's some good news. Jesus is in the boat. Can somebody help me this morning? Jesus is in the boat with us. And let me tell you this. Jesus is not stressed out about your current situation. I know you're worried about what's going to happen financially. I know you're worried about that one relationship. I know these things are going on, but it doesn't stress Jesus out for one minute. He is in control. He's on the boat. There was a song that came out a few years ago. It's a really dumb song, but it has a catchy lyric. It says, I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. That's all it says. This is the music teenagers listen to. I'm on a boat. It just does that over and over and over. See, here's the great news. Jesus can sing that. He's saying, I'm on your boat. You're not alone. I'm on the boat with you. I'm there weathering the storm. I'm there in a spirit of rest because I'm not stressed out about your situation. And what happens when whatever you're going through, no matter how bad it seems, it's just another opportunity for the master to stand up and say, peace, be still. You see, the storms in our life aren't there to cause you fear. They are there so God can stand up and say, peace, be still. And the truth is that God doesn't always calm the waters. Sometimes he just needs to calm you. 
When you're laying there at night and the job isn't going right, the family isn't going right, shoot, there are times when even the church won't be going right. As you lay there, Jesus, those words of Jesus will ring through the billows of your soul and hear the words of the master saying, peace, be still. If we can get that stress out, we can have a good night's rest, which means we can have good quality time with God in the morning, which means we can have a good successful day because we've done devoted the first fruits of our day to God. And it all starts with how we enter in rest and let God renew us overnight. So sleep should be without fear. It should be with faith. And lastly, with a comforter. You should sleep with a comforter. What do you mean by that, preacher? I'm not talking about a blanket. No, no, no. Even if you don't have a blanket, you still have a comforter. Somebody should have shouted on that one. Listen, when me and Brother Robert were down in Haiti, it was so hot. They didn't have air conditioning. Robert had to sleep underneath a mosquito net. I just closed my door. All I had was a sheet. And I'll be honest with you, it was so hot, I didn't even put the sheet on. I just said, mosquitoes, y'all take all over me. It's so hot. But you know what? Down in Haiti, I didn't even have a blanket, but I still had a comforter. And I'm talking about the comforter of the Holy Spirit. Well, you might say, Pastor, Jesus is not in my boat because Jesus ascended and went to be in heaven. But that's why in John 14, 16, Jesus said this, I will ask the Father, and he will indeed give you another comforter, the Holy Spirit. So you see, God is indeed in the boat with you, no matter where you are going, no matter what type of rest you need to get. Sleep can be for a Christian with a plan, with a purpose, and with a comforter, so that we wake up each day ready for battle and ready to crack hell wide open with a water pistol. But you see, before I end, I want to tell you about the best night's sleep I've ever had in my life. And that was the night I laid my head on the pillow. And that night I knew my soul would exist forever in heaven with Jesus. Some people, you have fear tonight because you don't know what would happen to you if you didn't wake up in the morning. Well, I'm going to tell you something. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how to how stressed out you are about your past, God can wipe it all away. Just as Psalm 51 says, he will blot out all your transgressions. He will remember your iniquity no more. He'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life. And I've got a good news for you this morning. If he writes your name down, he doesn't have an eraser. He writes it in the blood of Jesus Christ, the everlasting blood that will never lose its power. So here's the decision. Next week, we're having baptismal. You know, as I look at the New Testament, here's what I find. I find that when people followed Christ, they followed him in baptism. So here's the challenge I'm going to make to you. If you're ready to follow Christ this morning, as we sing the invitation here in just a moment, you come forward and say, Preacher, I'm ready to follow Christ in baptism. Now I'm a Christian. That's how you show that Christ is now your Savior. That's how we show that we have been made a new creature when we're lowered in the water and raised up out of the water and our sins have all been washed away. So I want you to have tonight the best night's sleep you've ever had before. I want you to know that if you put your faith and trust in Christ today, he will write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life for eternity. And this may be a little selfish of me, but if you've been looking for a church home, 
this is a pretty good Sunday to find one. So two things during our time of invitation as our musicians come forward. If you're ready to follow Christ in baptism, you come down. If you're ready to join a, a, a place where the Spirit dwells. If you weren't here Wednesday, let me share a story. Wednesday before worship, there was a lady who knocked on the front door. She came in. She says, I've been driving around past churches looking for a place to pray. She said as she drove past our church, the Spirit told her, turn here. And God told her, he said, there is an altar there. I thought, man, that speaks volumes. There is an altar there. I'm going to tell you what, this morning I'm going to be the first person at the altar. I want you to come join me. If you're ready to follow Christ, if you're ready to just come pray, if you're ready to join the church, let today be the day. Can we pray? Lord Jesus, I know that through Calvary, through the blood that you shed, that we as your people can enter into a rest that the people in the promised land never knew. Because your blood today speaks of better rest, that you are in control, you are in the boat, and we are in your divine hand. So we should have no fear, but we should have true faith in you, that you can speak to our situation, peace, be still. God, I pray for any new Christian today that's ready to follow you as, uh, with their faith and trust in you to turn from that old lifestyle and to become a Christian. God, that you would just enrich and encourage their heart right now. God, I pray for any young couple, for any, any person, any individual today that's been searching for a church home, that they can find a loving place of believers right here. We give you all glory today, for you are good. And all God's people said, amen. amen.